Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. You're very welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan. Well, Breaking 20, the challenge Sonia set me to train for eight weeks in a bid to break the mythical barrier of 20 minutes for 5k reached its conclusion uh, last Saturday at Lee Velo Park and I was joined by three super fast pacers, members of our Strava running club, Paul Brennan, James Carty, Peter Clark. And they were presented with their team singlets beforehand. We did the team talk. We had a group email going with Sonia during the week. The training was done pretty well. Everything was going to plan. And then I just missed it. A personal best of 2012 is my reward. 30 second improvement on my previous best from four weeks earlier. And honestly, I was really proud. But I gave it my best. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk to Sonia about the risks involved in putting in a massive effort for one big running event and not surviving it, whether that's making too critical an appraisal of your performance or just not allowing time to recover. Sonia is going to take a look at what mistakes we're all prone to make after the big day, whether it's a marathon, a 10k, a couch to 5k, surviving your success or near miss in my case is what we all need help with. Sonia, it's great to have you on the show. You were you were uh, at the US Indoor Championships yourself for a big day with Union Athletics Club for what you described to me in a text as a roller coaster of emotions. What exactly went down? <laughs> Well, you know, you can think it, how hard can it be when you have four athletes running and, you know, two coaches, so we should be able to manage it. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things when, I suppose, national championships are on the line and qualification for world championships. And, um, yeah, the athletes, you know, they, they all want to perform their best. Some do, some don't. And then, you know, when you're left with probably our best athlete with a chance to make the team was Donovan Brazier, um, but he was running in his, not his favourite event or not his, uh, not his event where he's the American record holder and world champion, but he was running in the 400 metres. Mm. He, and he's typically an 800 guy. 100%, yeah. But when he was in college, he would have run a lot of 400 metres and four by 400 metre relays. And he just felt that he needed to get back to that kind of speed base that he came from when he was at his best. And, you know, there wasn't the really opportunities to do that the past couple of years with a lot of events cancelled. And, you know, you just ran when you could. And he also had a, an injury. So, yeah, we got him to the national championships, uh, managed to work out that he could start from blocks. But he qualified for what we thought he qualified for the final on Saturday afternoon. And next thing, you know, minutes later was disqualified for a lane infringement. But it turned out it was, you know, a little bit of overjudging, I think, by mm. the the judges. You know, there was a, you know, the, a bit of VAR. Yeah, well, that's the problem is there was no VAR or there was VAR, but it wasn't conclusive. Right. And, you know, when you have judges out there waving flags and the problem with the indoor track is you're running on a banked surface. So mm. what appears that you're standing on a line can be just you're leaning over your shadows on it. And But, you know, we tried everything to get him reinstated on Saturday and he wasn't and he went to bed, you know, believing he was going home the next day and we were devastated of course because 
you know, then we were down to one athlete, just Craig Engels, who he didn't make the final of the 800, but he was still entered in the final of the 1500 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew it was going to, it was going to be a big ask for him to make the team. He, you know, hadn't been shown that type of form recently. So, you know, when you're kind of, I suppose, near or dead cert of making the team is knocked out, not, not by his own fault, but by, you know, judges or, you know, I suppose referees who they're, what they believe they're following the rule book and they're making decisions. Yes. But it's not a decision that really affects the result of the race and particularly a heat of mm. a national championship. You know, if they really felt that he was, you know, infringing on the line or getting too close to the line, I felt he should have, you know, like in a soccer match, maybe he should have got a yellow card and a warning. And they said to him, listen, we're, we think you're getting a bit close to the line here. You know, be aware yeah, in the final, you know, we're, we're watching you. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's, I mean, in the end, that's what did happen. But it was an overnight, like for everybody, you know, he wasn't running, and he was pretty much getting on the next plane back to Portland because you know that's what athletes do; they're devastated. They just yeah. want to go home, yeah, and get out of there because you know now you're up in Spokane, Washington, <laughs> free, absolutely freezing, sub-zero temperatures, <laughs> and no race indoors to go to. What are you going to do all day? Yeah, what's the point and, of being there? Yeah, um, but, you know, I mean, fortunately for him, he couldn't get a ticket on the flight at 6 a.m. And, you know, and unfortunately, I didn't go for my run on Sunday morning either. And I just happened to message him and, you know, said, you know, I said, you know, let me know what you do in the next few days. Because I thought he was possibly gone. And, you know, you want to give the athletes a bit of space as well. You don't want to be all over them. I had already picked up Craig Engels and he had to check out of his um, Airbnb. So we brought him over to our apartment and he was gone off for what they call over here a shakeout. Mm. Have you ever come across a shakeout? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. when uh, on the, on the, a couple the, of the, morning, the, morning, the morning of a race, you go for a little easy jog or, you know, kind of walk around the block just to get a bit of fresh air. So... Craig had gone off for his shakeout and um, I had sent Donovan a message and I just said, just let me know what you're doing during the week. I said, I've got Craig here. He's gone for his shakeout and we're going to watch Charlie Hunter, Australian athlete who was running a mile in Boston. I said, we're going to watch him. And I had no idea that Donovan was still in Spokane. And he said to me, um, oh, I'm just going down to the Waffle House to pick up some waffles. Can you come and get me? Is it is it okay? He said, "Is it okay if I come and watch the race with you?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." I said, and at that point, you know, my my Sunday run was gone out the window, and I was, I was kind of still in that kind of state of, I wasn't in the mood for doing anything, and I knew I had to get myself up to go to the track with Craig in the afternoon, and so I was just looking for, you know, kind of mundane jobs to do like pick athletes up and yeah yeah drop them somewhere you know just to have something to do and I he said can you come and pick me up and I said yeah okay I'll be over there in five minutes and then he was in talking into his waffles and got a phone call and said he was in the race and this was three hours before the race wow. the final <laughs> wow it was crazy and you know that was you know at that point I'd had a discussion with him when I drive him back in the car and you know, had pretty much put to bed the whole disqualification and he was ready to move on and plan what was coming next. 
and all of a sudden he had to turn that around and go from being totally pissed off, yeah. accepting of a decision, to then now I've got to get myself back up to running a final in a race where I have to be better than I am, you know, mm. any other time because it's not my event. And um, yeah, somehow we, you know, got him back on the line and he went out and finished second and got himself on the team. Unbelievable. So it was, it was huge. Yeah. And, I mean, and it, also it, just and testament it, to his mental strength. I mean, like just the mental prep that goes into these races to do that, to condense that into three hours and been sent on that roller coaster, as you say, it really says something about the guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where it was, you know, you do everything that you don't normally do before a race. And then you're told, OK, you've got to race now in three hours. Including going and to the Waffle House for waffles. In, Never something you do pre-race. Including <laughs> di digesting the waffles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like mad. And... Um, so, yeah, no, I, I just sent him a message. You know, he had to go back to his hotel and dropped him back. And, you know, then he's, his managers took over and, um, you know, he just had to get himself ready to go to the track. And I just sent a message. I said, listen, this is not a, a physical test today. You just got to get out there and, you know, you, you know what to do. But this is, this is not about running. Mm. <laughs> and and he, did, he went out and ran. But the, the funny thing was... He came to the track and was getting ready. And, you know, you get there a bit early so you can relax and put your feet up and, you know, just chill out and stuff. And, you know, I think that was the most important time yesterday. But when he went to pin his number on his singlet, he realized that he'd actually left his singlet back in the hotel. <laughs> My God. Yeah, so I guess he got the job. <laughs> Going back to get his singlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a pressurized job if ever there wasn't. Yeah, yeah, and then I got you know, you get when you walk in the hotel door and you, you have his room key, but they don't recognize you as a guest because it's not the biggest hotel in the world, and uh, question you, and you have to explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we got the job done, and uh, then and then of course we had Craig then afterwards. And but you let know, me Craig, just ask, you know, how he, did he get reinstated? I'm interested as to like what happened to change their minds. Well, on the because it was co being covered live on TV at the end of the program on Saturday, they commentators they just they couldn't understand why he was disqualified they went back and looked over the race and they couldn't see why or where there was a lane infringement mm. and they made a comment at the end of the show and they said you know there's definitely going to be a protest here we believe donovan will be back in the race in the final tomorrow and then i think nbc provided footage to uh, to us to look at and there was no conclusive evidence that he stepped on the line numerous times. And it was, it perceived that he stepped on the line, but he didn't actually step on the line. And so they had no evidence that they could show on TV the next day to explain why he wasn't in the final. So typically there was no VAR to show the public at home. And because of that, then they, there was a number of people disqualified throughout the day. And there was a, a blanket rule and everybody was reinstated to run in the final the next day. 
we've obviously got an awful lot to get through because obviously we had the Irish Indoor Championships took place in Abbottstown over the weekend. A few huge performances, including uh, Corkman Dara McElhinney holding off Tyrone teenager Nick Griggs to win the men's 3000 metre title. Molly Scott, I don't know if you saw this, Sonia, 22-year-old Carlo Sprinter, 7.19 to take the national indoor 60 metre title, breaking uh, the 7.21 Irish record set by uh, Rashidat Adeliki earlier this month. I think we mentioned that in the previous episode. Of course, Phil Healy stormed home in the women's 400 uh, championship record time of 51.75. Sarah Healy knocked another 11 seconds off the Irish under 23 indoor record, winning the women's 3,000 metres. Before we get to what performances stood out for you there, Sonia, how did Craig Engels get on? Craig Engels, of course, one of my favourites. The, the, if people don't know Craig Engels, he basically looks like a young, a young <laughs> Thor. Is that how I describe him? <laughs> yeah, Craig, you know, he, of course, he had to live through this whole thing with Donovan as well. And, you know, teammates and friends, you know, you go through the emotions as well. So, yeah. you know, it was important to, you know, to also help him to prepare for his 1500 meter race. And um, and he, he was definitely in a good frame of mind going into the race. He got himself in a good position, but, you know, he ended up in, I think it was seventh place. And, you know, he, I think he, he he gave himself every opportunity, but it, things just haven't really been clicking for him this year. And yeah, he, I think he's got a bit of work to do before the outdoor season that we will help him with um, to get him, you know, to perform better and up to the levels that he would expect of himself. Mm. But, you know, Craig, he's, you know, you you can talk to him after the race and, you know, sort him out fairly quickly. And, and he moves on with things. But I, yeah, I think he definitely wants to, you know, run run better. You know, he it was it wasn't his worst race this season, but it definitely wasn't you know a result that he expected or wanted either. And yeah. anyway, similar we had Alexa from some eight in the fifteen hundred and Ella Donahue. So you know, there's there's always work to do for everybody, and um, you know, everybody's not going to have the perfect races or the you know the perfect results that that you'd wish for. Um, but that's where you know you have to look at the results and figure out well, how can we change that how can we make it better Well we really appreciate you getting up early to record this Sonia because I'd imagine that like it took a lot out of Craig it must have taken an awful lot of you emotionally we will also be going around the parishes later in the show to see how many of you followed Sonia's training plan and actually managed to break 20 over the weekend we'll have a roundup, as I said at the indoor championships in Ireland and of course our embarrassing running story of the week comes from a listener called Helen Carr a woman so passionate about her park run she basically did it in her bare feet uh, we'll get to that later in the show of course we've got an extended edition of the show every week over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad please support this show so that we can continue to make it weekly we can't do it without you head over there and you get the extended cut a double size episode of the show and illustrated episode notes from Sonia each week with more advice uh, should we get? Should we go around the parishes, Sonia, to see? Because there's a few people that really smashed it this weekend. Yeah, we can do that. You can. Do you want to start off? Have yeah. you got someone? I'll kick it off with Aaron Mullen, who who smashed twenty at uh, Lee Valley. Aaron introduced himself to me after the race, after I was, you know, inconsolable. Uh, he's there by the line, leaning on the pole. Uh, he didn't even mention to me that he had run a ridiculous time, something like 18.50, and just uh, 
just not a bother on him. I'm sure he'd done his park run earlier that day. So <laughs> I wanted to give Aaron Mullen a shout out to start to start with. Uh, Luke McGahan uh, ran 1853 in Dundalk. Killian Gavin in Dubai did his 5K in 1949. Took a little break in the middle of that. I have to say, I couldn't understand his split, Sonia. He his his third kilometre, he did it in 4:25, and then right. made it made it back in the other ones. I was like, he took a cigarette break halfway through the race. It was unbelievable. Uh, Carl Fleming is someone I want to give a shout out to, who I know is sticking very closely to your training plans. You probably saw him on Strava too. He had to abandon his attempt to. Uh, break 20 due to gale force winds in Dublin he said he still managed though to come home as the local legend in the Poppin Tree Park run so fair play to Carl was there anyone that stood out to you Sonia in the Strava group well to be honest I, I was <laughs> just reading time. all the ones that you were sharing with me <laughs> so I, you did throw a few in here you've forgotten it was Donal Moran in the Wokingham half marathon run just under 75 minutes 74.52 and um, Ian O'Brien, uh, he had a, a park run PB in Ballincollig. And I, I know the park, the Ballincollig park run well. And so great people down there. It's, it's a lovely event um, that I go to when I'm home in Cove. Um, but interesting when you talk about Aaron Mullen, they're running the eight. What did he do? He broke, smashed 20 at Lee Valley, but he also did his park run before. The park run before sounds like something I have done in the past. He used to. Parkrun was probably his warm up. I know. But um, what a lunatic. I know <laughs> there was one time when I, I remember I was in London and it must have been I must look it up, it was around two thousand and six, I'd say. And um I lived very close to the Bushy Park Parkrun. So I would run over there on a Saturday morning. And I went over and I ran a park run in like eighteen something, just by myself to hmm. warm up. Then I came back and ran one in 17 minutes. <laughs> and oh. then I ran a third one in another 18-something. And, you know, what I would do for one park run <laughs> under 20 minutes now. And I, when I think, how did I do that? You know, it was a different world, a different you, time. God. Um, and, 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 you know, even looking at um, a couple of your, your pacing guys, um, which who, one, of them, one of them went off and ran in the... Um, in the English National. Yes, this is Paul Afterwards. Brennan. <laughs> yeah, Paul. I mean, that was phenomenal. I saw some um, pictures and reports from, is it the English National Cross Country? And mm. they run it at Parliament Hill, one of the toughest cross country races, you know, down through the years, probably one of the oldest as well. Um, but I think for the men, it's nine miles. So that's fantastic to come out there, fly around with you for yeah. 5K and oh. then head off. And I mean, he had a running day. He was running all day long. All day because he ran <laughs> to the track as well, of course. I want to give a shout out to Olivia Darcy, Barry Egan in Italy, Carl Milligan in Dublin in Dunleary and Simon Lowe, who smashed his Brighton half marathon. That concludes Round the Parishes. And I guess it's time to get uh, to take a look at... Uh, my attempt to break 20 at Lee Valley. Take a taper, de- deeper look at this because obviously the, the subject for today's episode and the main point of uh, focus is what to do after a thing like this and how, you know, we can tend towards taking a really critical look at it. I, I don't know where to begin uh, with this, Sonia. Maybe I'll explain to people exactly what took place. I mean, you you did predict this, that the first kilometre would feel like a cakewalk. And I mean, 
<laughs> you couldn't have put it better. I did feel like we were out for a jog for the first kilometre. I was like, oh, my God, I am so fit. <laughs> I am going <laughs> to breeze this. I was picturing the celebration dance that I was going to do crossing the line <laughs> during the oh, first that's, kilometer. That's, well, that's I, your mistake no, right no, there. No, I no, no. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking around. <laughs> I'm joking around. Go easy. I, I, okay, I okay. literally was going, if this, if this keeps up, we're in good, we're in a good place. So first kilometre in 3.56 and, you know, I was tucked in behind James Carty. Uh, he had the Irishman running abroad singlet, which is now available on. And uh, he didn't even go for shorts on you. He was there in the leggings. He's a hell of a fiddle player, this James <laughs> Carty. People should check him out. A brilliant traditional musician and a great runner, a former footballer. So like he's he's perched in front of me with the, um, Tina pointed out, he very arched back kind of form on him. So, you know, this fella looked like it was taking nothing out of him. And I felt like I was right with him. I was right on his heels. You said, don't let the elastic get stretched. So that first kilometre, 356, we were all thinking we're cooking here. Kilometre two was when we started to hit these little hills, which I had mentioned to you on the last time I was there. They don't seem like much hills, but I guess when you're trying to hold pace, any bit of a hill is going to be an imposition, right? So I could immediately feel the energy drain a little bit on the second kilometre. Probably we should have seen this coming. <laughs> but, uh, definitely the second kilometre goes to 4.07. And we've been back and forth on the email with the boys. And certainly at that point, I felt like we we weren't all clear on how fast or slow we were going. Uh, what did you make of those first two kilometres? Yeah, well, I think that was fairly typical. I think when you got 4.08, you probably got a bit scared. Mm. Um, if it had been 4.04, like, you'd be doing the maths in your head and um, you'd be thinking, OK, we're still on a four minute pace. But now all of a sudden, instead of just maintaining the even four minute pace, you've got to make up four seconds somewhere along the way. Mm. Yeah. And it so, is it is undulating, you know, and you know yeah, that and, you're not going to get that opportunity. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you have I was just going to look up there. Your the last time you ran here, the splits that you had. Oh, my God, they were so similar. It's mad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing is, I think when you're going faster, the hills feel steeper, even though they're, you know, undulations hmm. and the wind, if there's any bit of wind at all, you actually feel it. Yeah. So when you ran your previous best, which was um, 2040, you also ran 356 for the first kilometre. So that starting kilometre must be fairly handy. Then you had 407 for the second kilometre. Mm hmm. 412, 412. You see, this was the difference is that you, because you weren't really going for it that day, then you allowed yourself to, you know, ease, ease off a bit. And yeah. yeah, 412, 421 and 403. So it looks like the area that you can make a big difference is the second kilometre, the second, third and fourth. You really need to concentrate there. And, you know, and it's only a few seconds. Like when you averaged it out, it came out, it was like 402 per kilometre. So it must have been 402 point something to add it up to mm. 2012. So, you know, it, it's not a huge amount. Two seconds per kilometre, like that's less than a second per 400 metres of the track. Mm -hmm. So when you break it down into those small pieces, you kind of think, yeah, that's, that's pretty achievable. I can, I can do that. 
So, you know, it's part, you still ha- you just have to go out at the same pace. And the mistake is that you think you have to start faster. Yeah. And unless unless you can, you know, chop a big chunk off and get down into 1930 or something like that, then, you know, I think the next time we go after this, you have to play it safe again and still go out at just under four minutes. But you really have to focus on getting those next few kilometers, you know, as close to, if not under four minutes. And then, you know, you're well able to finish strong. So that that's easy. You know, you've done you've that's just when you see the finish line, you just mm. go for it. And, you know, you get yourself back down to that pace. But, yeah, no, it, it's good to see that the improvements and the, the differences here now. And, um, yeah, your progression is uh, it's it's trajectory. Traje- 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 what is the word? The trajectory, trajectory is, going, yeah. is going in the right direction. It, it is. We're going to jump on the line with Peter Clark, one of the pacers later on in, in the show. But I think you hit the nail on the head there, Sonia. The, the uh, ups and downs of this Lee Valley Park, when you're going a bit quicker, just seem more. Uh, they just seem bigger. And it was funny. We were all talk beforehand uh, about steady as she goes. Let's be a ship, <laughs> uh, n- not a bicycle. And uh, it, it was just impossible to get that rhythm, you know, to just feel like we're rocking along now. We just won't even think about it, kind of switch off a bit because every corner you turned, there was a little dip or a whoopsie to go over or under. And the boys were great. Like, I have to give full credit to the lads for giving up their time to do it. Huge respect to them. We were also joined by David Whitney, another comedian friend of mine, uh, and Andrew Tracy, another listener who came down specifically just to cheer me on. Shout out to Andy. Uh, Tina and Mikey were there, of course. Mikey uh, uh, and Tina, not in the best of health, it has to say. Tina's still recovering from COVID, but they were really unbelievable on the day. It was like it was a special day. But, you know, I think the boys were more upset for me than I was because, you know, yourself, when you know you've drained the tank and given everything you can, I wasn't actually that disappointed. I was sad I didn't break it, but I knew that was all I could do today. (laughs) That was as good as I could go. But equally, the discussion we wanted to have afterwards was you can then have a bit of a dip, can't you? You can then kind of look at it in the cold light of day and go, oh, fuck, maybe that was my chance. Maybe that was it. Or start looking at your training and going, why didn't it happen? Do you look at anything in relation to this training and think, uh, we probably could have done this, that probably would have got him over the line? Or is it a case of the bit of illness, the two antibiotics, the bit of time, the three days off in the middle of it probably put pay to the chances? Yeah, I mean, I think we were we were working with a short time frame. It was a fine line, you know. You were you were right on the margins of getting twenty minutes. So it's not like we had you down running near nineteen minutes. Hmm. So you know the 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 closeness of it meant that it, it was like an athlete going for a um, a qualifying time for a championship, and they're close. They're so close, but they just miss it. Hmm. And it was kind of like what I talked about before is that you focus on the 20 minutes and maybe we should be focusing on 1950 Hmm. and then all of a sudden you give yourself a bit of a buffer because when you're operating so close to the target the risks are that greater that things that are out of your control will take away from it and that's where I suppose the little hills the kind of it's a little bit of like changing of gear changing of momentum you lose that smooth rhythm 
that you would get. Like, for example, if you were running on a track, then you just settle into a nice rhythm. And as long as there was no wind out there, then you would just, you know, you would just hit the markers every 400 meters mm. and you'd know exactly where you are. But when you're only getting the feedback every kilometer and, the you know, the GPS and everything is bouncing all around the place that you're, you're never really 100 percent sure if you're on it or off it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you were definitely operating at your limit for now. Um, but, you know, that's in such a short period of time, you know, there's, we, we've got stuff to work with, you know. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is that, you know, as nice and perfect as a day, it wasn't very warm out there. No, it and, definitely was chilly. And typically it's, it's much easier to run in the heat. Like, um, you know, a, a bit of like just feeling warmer. Your body warms up better. You can get more out of yourself in warmer conditions mm. than colder conditions. So, you know, you can look at all these little things and they all add up to tiny little fractions. But, you know, that's a second or two here and there. And we're only looking for 12. And, um, you know, then then you're there. So, you know, I mean, the, the number is, you know, the, the target and the benchmark that we have to set. But that's not really the whole story. Um, you know, if somebody reads the results and they see your name and the time and they'll say, ah, he didn't do it. But there's so much more to it that... You know, only those who are there and those who are, you know, involved can truly see, you know, what goes into something like this. And, you know, just because you say you want to do something and you train like you're going to do it doesn't mean it's actually going to turn out that way. And and that's why these things are fun. That's why it's a challenge and it, it keeps you interested because it keeps you motivated because you can see what you've achieved you also can see that you want to achieve more. So that's your lot for the free version of this week's episode of An Irishman Running Abroad. Why not come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad and start enjoying the double size episodes every single week with myself, Sonia, Marion and my special guest each Sunday. It's all for the price of a coffee over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. In this episode, we go deeper into the analysis of the race. We get Peter Clark, one of my pacers on the live line, and we also get Helen Carr's brilliant, embarrassing running story and lots, lots more.